Welcome to Talking Infrastructure, the fortnightly podcast brought to you by global infrastructure company ACOM. In this series, we'll be discussing the hot topics, key projects and innovations that are helping to solve some of the world's most complex infrastructure challenges. Hello and welcome to Talking Infrastructure. I'm Ruth Zorko, Communications Manager here at ACOM, and I'm standing in for our normal host, James Banks, today. With each of the podcasts in this series, we've been putting burning topics relating to the infrastructure world under the microscope. Today's podcast, though, is something of a special edition because we're looking at a subject that not only affects our industry, but also transcends it, the topic of equality. As many of our listeners will know, International Women's Day 2020 takes place on Sunday the 8th of March, with the theme this year of Each for Equal. It's not a recent concept. The first International Women's Day was celebrated in Europe in 1911, with over a million people gathering at rallies supporting women's rights, several years before women were given the vote in the UK. In our industry... Equality, diversity and inclusion have been on the agenda for decades as businesses have begun to wake up to the fact that our industry simply isn't representative of society today. Here at ACOM, we acknowledge that a more equal world is a better world. And from the perspective of the built environment, we're seeing some progress, but much work remains. I'm joined today by a group of colleagues from across our UK and Ireland business, a couple of whom are on the line from different locations, to discuss these important topics of equality, diversity and inclusion and what they mean to them. Welcome, everybody. I'm going to ask you all now to introduce yourselves, including the personal pronouns you use. Mine are she, her. And I'm David Barwell. I'm Acom's chief executive for the UK and Ireland, and my pronouns are he, his. Uh, hi, I'm Terrell Harper. I'm a civil engineer and apprentice here at ACOM, and my pronouns are he, his. Hi, I'm Pascal Harper. I'm technical head, process engineering, UK and iWater, and my pronouns are they, there. Hi, I'm Kate Morris. I'm a mere head of transportation consulting, and my pronouns are she, her. So we all gave our personal pronouns there. Pascal, can you explain why that's important? Yes. Yeah. The part about pronouns is is that they're part of an individual's self-identification and our language links them to gender, the language that we use every day. But they're an expression of who you are and how you feel about yourself and how you interact with the world uh, at work or at home or just through daily life. And they're important as an outward visible expression of one's identity and it's your self-identity. So... The important part of it is is that only you can determine your pronouns, and that power rests within the individual to pick what pronouns best describe how they feel about themselves. So I wouldn't have the right to pick what pronouns you should describe yourself by. So therefore, you shouldn't have the power to pick what pronouns I describe myself by. So by being open about your pronouns, you're saying, this is who I am, this is how I, am. I feel about myself. And it breaks that gender break between the uh, grammatical part of language. And also, it means that people don't go by visible traits. So you may present one gender, but feel another, or you may feel that you have to present one way in order to fit in. And therefore, people will see you that way and automatically apply standard pronouns to how they perceive you. 
and that may mean that has a knock-on effect because for non-gendered uh, non-gender binary people using that uh, sort of other other people uh, sort of using those pronouns for you unwittingly maybe also undermines your identity your self-identity and can undermine your self-worth so that that creates a lot of baggage you have to carry around so being out about your pronouns, being open about them, and expecting other people to use your pronouns validates your self-identity in the workplace. So that's why use of those pronouns is important and why we should accept that we go beyond the heteronormative, binary, man, woman, one, zero type approach, that non-gender binary people exist, we are here, and the pronouns that we choose to use to describe ourselves are part of our own self-identity. And that's an example of how we we really need to think about how we use our language on a daily basis and and not just with regards to the LGBTQI plus community with with all people and all types of diversity and inclusion. Yes, quite. Yeah, I quite agree. Terrell, do you have anything to feed into that? Yeah, I think it's important to um, understand that obviously, you know, our differences are our differences are what make us us. And I think without those, there wouldn't really be a point in anything because difference is what kind of also brings us together in a kind of weird way. Difference is what sparks conversation, it sparks interest. And without difference, for example, in our industry, if there wasn't those differences, we wouldn't have some of the projects that we have because everyone would think the same and you wouldn't have half of the buildings we have, half of the infrastructure we have and all of these ideas have come about and different methods. And it's all about basically embracing our differences and and also understanding that different doesn't mean you're not equal. You can be equal, but still different. And I think that's an important thing that we've kind of maybe should talk about today as well is understanding that um, equality doesn't mean that everyone has to be and follow the exact same kind of paper, basically. Everyone is not, everyone is on the same black and white. It's very, it's a very gray area and also very colorful areas, exactly. It's how you want to look at it. And looking at understanding that people have different needs, different preferences and different ideas. And that's what kind of brings us together, that we can all be equal and different. That's a good launching off point to talk about the theme for this year's International Women's Day, which, as I said earlier, is each for equal. I'm going to go around the group now and ask, well, what does that theme mean to you, David? What does that mean to you? I really like it because it's broadening the the topic of just straight gender, because it's, yeah, it's you know, to Terrell's point, it's bringing in everything and all the different aspects of each other. And um, we are a podcast, so you can't actually sue me, but I love that, you know, the, the, the equal sign. You know, each for equal. And I think it's almost like, a, you know, we, we, we'll probably talk about later in the podcast, we'll, you know, we'll talk about calling out, you know, because that when we talk about behaviours and how you change culture and having that confidence to call out. And I'm, I'm seeing that sort of each We're all doing equal. it in the room here, We're by doing the way, guys. We're all and doing that, it. You know, to, me, to me, I think that's a really good sort of, you know, red card, you know, sort of thing we'll be used for safety. Sorry for people outside of Acom, you red card for safety. It's sort of like a red card moment for me, and I'm going to be using, I'm going to be using that. So watch out if people do, if David <laughs> does that to you people, you've done something yes, wrong. Yes. Pascal, do you want to jump in here? What does each for equal mean for you? Well, I'm sort of echoing along that theme, really. For me, it's respecting other people's individuality in a more humanist way and, and looking at us all as human beings. We all have differences and, and celebrating those differences and using some of those differences to positives. If we're all out of the same mold, we're all going to think the same way. And we're all going to have the same sorts of ideas, which is 
where we want to evolve beyond that as a company and, and as an industry. Kate? Yeah, and I feel I could take that one step further in some ways. For me, it's around how everyone should have the same opportunity and that ability to reach their full potential. And that capability shouldn't be defined by gender characteristics. In some ways, a lot of this comes back to assumptions as well, isn't it? And we and we shouldn't define people by preconceived assumptions or the unconscious biases that we have or things that, you know, a lot of this is about education or re-education. What I learned about a lot of these things 30, 40 years ago are not necessarily applicable now. There's a lot of re-education that needs to be done. David, picking up on what Kate was just saying there, how much would you say attitudes to equality have changed in the industry over time? I suppose in some respects to answer that question and not wanting to be difficult, but industry is quite a broad term. And when you look at our industry, you know, if you were to take construction, say, you know, that's one part of it. But you take planning, design, those types of things, they, you know, they are they are different. But across the board, though, still looking at that, there has been, you know, quite substantial changes. If you look at it from a, you know, a straight design perspective, and I think Terrell touched on it earlier, about how you bring in, you know, everybody recognises that how you bring in diverse thinking and, you know, into designing community, if you just take designing community space, you know, it's got to be designed for the community in mind. So you need to, you know, we fortunately, you know, one of the, the wonderful things about living in a country like this is that we are a wonderfully diverse country and we celebrate a lot of diversity. So we tend to produce very good design. And I think that's a celebration of, of you know, what this country can achieve in that space. So those types of things are you know, going well. We've actually within the, you know, within the construction space, it's getting a lot better. It's still seen as, you know, that term, that engineering piece, engineering construction piece, is still seen as an area of, you know, to be frank, a bit of a laggard in this. And there's a whole societal thing about how we encourage and how we use the brand engineering design creativity, how we change all that language you're starting to see come in. It links back into STEM, you know, and how we can get, you know, we get young young girls and everybody from all, all walks of life excited about doing that thing. But then when they reach the age of eight, they, they, they become stereotypical of, you know, into other people, oh, you don't want to be doing that. You know, you want to be doing something which is, you know, which is different. So I am seeing a change. The other thing I am seeing a change, and of course, and we see a lot of it around, you know, around the news is actually about business, you know, because I'm in many respects now, I've moved beyond being an engineer to being a businessman in some respects. And I think it was touched on earlier, but, you know, to be absolutely frank, groupthink kills companies. Yeah, it kills creativity, which we talked about earlier, but it also kills companies. And you are seeing, really understanding it that much more. You have to, you know, everybody, a successful, anything to be successful in anything, whether it's doing design, whether it's doing construction, whether it's running businesses, it's about having that skill to draw in of everybody's thought process to create that right space which allows everything to thrive. What do we need to do as a business to go further in this area? What are the, what are the big challenges that really remain? So, so I think we need to continue to challenge to have the open conversations. I think role models and, and how we all behave is really important. So I think if I if I go back to when I came into the industry over 35 years ago, when I was out on site and I, I was the more senior individual, there's always an assumption I was the junior person out there just because of the perception 
of women in the industry. And so to me, it's really important that we have vocal, strong individuals that represent all the different diverse types of individuals we have so that people can see actually that actually there is now a broad spectrum of people doing these roles. It is achievable for everybody to strive for that and to challenge and call out when people are making assumptions around people's capability, you know, all of those sorts of things to ensure that that actually we're promoting a, a level playing field for everyone. And on a practical level, what does calling those things out mean? I feel it's it's about empowering everybody to be able to speak out when they see wrong behaviour in some way. So that might be in a group environment. It might be taking somebody to one side and perhaps explaining why that behaviour was inappropriate. And, and I see a strong analogy with the way that we've tackled safety in ACOM in terms we've empowered everybody to be able to speak out when they see instances of poor safety behaviour. We should be able to do that across this whole EDI spectrum in some ways. Everybody should be empowered to call out poor behaviour. And, and indeed, reinforce positive. I think what, what we're also not very good at is celebrating where we see really good practices going on as well. Yes, look, I think that's right. And I think also on that yeah, I think it's on the positive side, is about people encouraging that diversity. And I'm thinking, you know, when, when people are putting together a decision, a design, a meeting, but it's showing that positive reach out. I'm looking at the meeting agenda, I'm looking at the attendees, and that doesn't marry up. You know, why are we having a conversation about this subject and it doesn't include these this thought process or people with this type of skill, background and all the rest of it. Because um, that's when you get a much better result when you do that. And I think keep demonstrating that. And, you know, particularly, we, I'll you, we'll probably jump here, we'll probably talk about leaders and leadership at some point. But that's certainly something which I'm looking out for, just making sure that people, because, you know, you're having to make decisions, you're having to make quick decisions, you're having to make decisions which are right about all of that and just making sure that it's not just I don't want you don't want people in the room that are just all going to agree you want people in the room that are going to challenge they've got different perspectives that are going to come up with different solutions and there's nothing better I think we all know when we've had that feeling when you've gone into a meeting you come out of that and you've gone I didn't expect that that this is a really good outcome that's way better than I thought it was going to be but I tell you if you just go with the same old same old you're going to get the same old same old answer so reinforcing that sort of positive element to me is a key part of it. Just to touch on that, I think expand is the, um, the kind of when you're saying, David, there about the difference, um, make sure that obviously if you've got a meeting about a specific topic and having the right people in that meeting, I think that's important as well. For example, obviously me being an apprentice, obviously my outlook is different to those who have been in the industry a lot more than me for a lot longer. But then also I have different views and stuff that I've seen from compared to those, obviously, in different things. So when I'm, for example, with my team meeting in different meetings about the projects we're working on, I see things from a different perspective. For example, like I've been asked a lot more recently to look at the more social media side because I'm more in there anyway. I see that a lot more. I know how to look at that on a project and look at, oh, are people talking about this project on this website or are they doing these kind of things? And I think it's important to branch off on those and understand even in on a smaller scale of looking at for example people in your team so if you know that you know around in your office your team you've got a 
work on something about this. It's like, okay, if you know the different kind of people and types you have within your team, then it's easy to come and be like, I have a question about this. Okay, cool. I can go and ask this person because they should be more, or you'll get different kind of answers rather than the same old, same old as you were mentioning. So I think it's just important to branch out and also look into that difference and to look at that kind of side of it and understand. I think it's also recognising people like to contribute in different mechanisms. I think we've moved away from an environment where those that shout loudest get heard first in some ways. And I think it is it's, it's understanding that some people contribute well in a group, some people contribute if they're on an, a one-to-one basis. So again, it's, it's understanding, I think, the dynamics of how people like to contribute, when they can contribute across the piece, really. Pascal, did you want to jump in here? Yeah, I'll jump in on that one. Uh, the, the other thing about having trying to get the right people in the room is how do you know you've got the right people in the room? You've got to have a culture where people are happy to be them and be open and frank and honest and out about themselves, as certainly from the LGBTQI perspective, is that you could pick a names down the list, but you have no inkling as to what characteristics they have unless you get to know those people. And also you have a culture where those people are happy to bring themselves to work, not wear a mask or pretend to be something they're not to fit the corporate mold. And that is an important aspect of culture that we've got to embed a second nature, I think, to enable those people to be themselves and and be visibly themselves so that when we do want to pick a diverse group for a task or something else, you have people who are comfortable being identified so that those characteristics can bring something to that discussion. Can we just pick up on that second nature piece? Because I really like that. And, you know, the creation of that second nature. I mean, you have, you know, and I'm in some respects looking for some guidance here for the people around the table. I mean, you, you have younger people, you know, the younger generation, and to them, many of that's second nature. You have People who have, in my age group, whatever, they have different experiences. I mean, I was fortunate to, one, have a feminist mother, which was great. You know, I remember in in the 70s, we had a new bathroom put in and she employed a women-only bathroom, a construction company to, you know, to do that. And that was, that you know, that was that was great to have, you know, members of, you know, someone like myself in the engineering community. And then, you know, travel overseas and I've worked in so many different parts of the world. So, you, you know, you're, you're sort of blessed with that. And I sort of like to think, you know, you've got that sort of second nature. But you have this second nature coming up through the business of Tunnel here, you know, young people that have that, second nature to create that second nature in sort of older generations is a little bit harder you know you're changing sort of people's preconceptions and i want to just go back if i may just to the language piece and just explore that a little bit you know with pascal because language is a piece that can start to drive i think some of that second nature in terms of you know if it's second nature to be talking in a in a way your brain you know it follows the language in some respect and I mean, just you know, is there much changing in language? I know that you know, language is you know, it's it evolves. The beauty of the English language it evolves so rapidly. Are you seeing changes in language? Yeah. Well, the main the main part certainly from the sort of activist and uh, activism point for minority groups. Speaking for myself as a veteran of many many a pride march, um, and minority groups are reclaiming words for their own purposes, right? as almost a defiant step. And now it's actually gone into mainstream language. So from LGBTQ ones, take the, the, the word queer. That was an insult. 
and now it's reclaimed by the LGBTQI plus community amongst ourselves. It's our word. We own it. And it means what we want it to mean, not what other people with power used to use it as an insult for us. And that, that goes across multiple different other communities. I'm only speaking from an LGBTQI plus perspective. There are other minority groups out there who have reclaimed their words because they are their words. And that takes the power out of that word as an insult and becomes a much more positive force for that identity. But I think from my perspective, that's why we all need to take this seriously and, and re-educate ourselves. You know, we got a list before this podcast to read through, and it's exactly that, you know, the word butch. When I, you know, was growing up, that was a very derogatory term. And obviously now it's been embraced and it's positive. And, and if somebody was in an environment and they used that word, if I wasn't educated, I'd be calling that out as poor behavior rather than reinforcing that that actually is the way to go. So I think there's a huge amount of, of education that we need to do around the terminology and the language that we use. Yeah. And I find that certainly the ACOM corporate language used, again, is it has the uh, connotations and certainly the, the, the approach of very much a heteronormative, binary, the traditional in inverted commas sense of, of a lot of that thought processes that are going behind it. So it uses that traditional language in there. And we're not bringing, it's not saying that we should all go down to sort of slang type ones, but what we are saying is that, that we recognize that words change. They have changed meaning. They have impact to different people. And sometimes the use of a specific word in a proposal or a document will resonate with somebody from a different one of those other minority communities in amongst the clients who are reading it and go, oh, they sound progressive. They've used that word in the right term and uh, in the right way. Or they've, they've brought that concept into this proposal that then means that they're taking it seriously. They obviously know what they're doing. And developing our corporate language and developing how we use the words to the best impact is something that we really do need to do. And, and education is certainly one of the big things forward that we have to do, certainly from the line manager level and across the piece. I mean, for example, in the construction industry, Skanska have brought in LGBTQI plus training across every grade for every everybody in their business. They had a couple of, uh, I think they may have had uh, in the past, we've been the construction industry has had a few incidents about trans people being uh, victimized and bullied in, in, in the industry. And some of those companies have said, well, this is unacceptable for us. We are going to make sure that it's it's going to go. And the steps that they were doing was educational piece in the first place and, and make sure that you build in that second nature. Once you start educating people and you start saying, well, this is the reason why we do it this way, not just you will use the right pronouns. It matters. And then why does it matter? And then why does it matter to them? And why does it matter to the business as a whole? David, do you want to come back on that point about the corporate language we use at, at ACOM? Well, it just sounds like an easy win, actually. Just listening to Pascal, it sounds like an easy win. And I was thinking when you know, he was talking, there's nothing worse, particularly when you're talking about a proposal. You know, if you're saying something about what you do, because our clients are interested in this. And, um, you know, we are required to respond in a whole lot of different ways about our sort of different approaches to all sorts of things, you know, be that social value, be that, you know, inclusion or whatever. And you can write a narrative, but if you don't write it in the right way, that's why I'm interested in the language piece, that 
you know, I mean, it's just, it's a nonsense, isn't it? You know, if you don't have that in the right way, um, you're just letting yourself down. And it sounds to me, you know, like an easy win sort of thing. So yeah, we can certainly, you know, be interested in exploring some of that and, we, you know, and what it would look like. I know we've done work and, you know, sort of, but this is probably too lower an example, but I know, you know, at long last, I'm told that, you know, all the specifications and stuff that have gone out now are, you know, not gender specific. I mean, I found out, you know, somebody mentioned to me, you know, a lot of those probably just a couple of years ago when I first took out the role here as, as the chief exec, I have a reverse mentor. My reverse mentor said, oh, by the way, do you know our specifications still are, you know, have some gender specificity within them. And I just went, well, we killed that, I think, within a matter of months. I just went straight out of the office and just went, you know, get rid of that. And it was actually quite a simple process to do. There's machinery that can just run all that for you and do all that. Yeah, I mean, language is a great piece. I'm very interested in language anyway. And, I, and, you know, and as I said, and if you start using the right language, you're reinforcing. And it goes into that subconscious element too, which is about, you know, we, 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 I can't remember the term that we were using. It's just the way that we do things around here. And I think that, that can, you know, can certainly help to reinforce that. Terrell, uh, picking up on what David was saying there about discussions he's had with his reverse mentor, as the youngest person in this conversation, do you find yourself having conversations like that with, with more senior people where, where you're perhaps spotting things that for them, they, they just hadn't even thought about it? I think, yeah, sometimes it's just an everyday conversation in the office. Other times it is sometimes kind of project-based, work-based, and you kind of see things. So there's another apprentice on my team as well. So a lot of times, depending on what part of the project they need discussion with, they'll kind of come to us because it's a, a refresher of eyes that haven't been in industry and haven't been kind of molded to that kind of standard of the way of looking at things also and also then even the other side of it of um from a perspective of without that kind of knowledge sometimes and like an outside point of view because obviously our timing industry is a lot more a lot less so therefore we're kind of less accustomed to set, to look at things a certain way so obviously you know for those of you guys who've probably been in the industry a lot longer than me when you look at a, a project you kind of know now okay i'm gonna look at this way i'm gonna look at that way and we'll look for xyz whereas me and some other um, apprentices even just throughout um acom we kind of like, well, I've never looked at this before, so I'm going to look at it this way. And they kind of go, what? And you're kind of like, oh, yeah, that's just, that's just how I'd look at it. And then it makes that kind of point there. But, but specifically with regard to diversity and inclusion, do you feel like you're pointing things out to people where they're using language that perhaps has become a bit outdated or, like David was saying, a job description is still written in, in a certain way? Do you feel like you're senses are more uh, yeah. attuned to picking up on these sometimes quite subtle barriers mm. that still exist and we still have the opportunity to iron out in our business. I think, yeah, a little bit. I think I've seen, like, there's been a couple of occasions like that where I've had sometimes my project manager ask a question about a thing because they're not, I think when they're, I'm hearing discussion and I hear them talk about something, but, but wouldn't it make sense like this because they're kind of like, they haven't heard it like that before. So obviously from the younger perspective in regards to diversity, I think it's kind of having that kind of discussion of they've never seen it like that way before. So you kind of just kind of go, oh, no, we know like that because that's how I talk about it with people my age or and that's how just discussion comes about. So little things like that, you do hear it every now and again and it is noticeable in the kind of younger and more junior roles compared to the more senior roles. You can see the difference in, I'm not saying knowledge, but um, perspective, I guess mm. it probably is. It's certainly that 
perspective, isn't it, which is the really important one, because, you know, no one professes to have the right answer. And I think, well, that, that's, that's, that, actually, that's another really important point, isn't it? If, you, know, you know, no one should profess they know the answer until you've had a good input from different people in the way that they think. It was really, it was a sort of like a, I, mean, I was like having a celebratory moment, you know, when you were talking about, you know, you've been approached for your input because as a younger person and not that much experience in industry. Is there a specific example that, that there's been something that, you, that that has changed, that you've had an input into that changed the answer to what people thought it might have been? I think it was, it was how they looked at, for example, our project, we've got like some public inquiry stuff. And obviously they were worried about, because there's been a lot of um, protests in certain different projects lately about different upgrades and stuff like that. And I think with our project, they asked, you know, about, okay, where do we look for, how do you find kind of these kind of things early? Because obviously, if you're going to go through these things, you, you want to know if there's talk about process. Process doesn't just happen, mm. you know, on a whim. People have been planning it. So they kind of asked, okay, where do we look? And I said, well, Twitter is probably your best option because everything kind of goes on there, whether it's news, whether it's, mm. you know, jokes, whether it's young people, old people, mm. everyone's on Twitter talking about something. And I found bits here and there. And I think a lot now, it's kind of when we've gone back to the client, we said, here's where you look, here's the kind of things you can find, here's how to look for it. And it kind of does push that kind of yeah, yeah. dynamic there. So right. just not a thing you would do. Yeah. Sometimes we talk about allies in the context of diversity inclusion. What, what exactly do we mean by that? From what I'm aware of, allies is those that I think a lot of the time, I'll go back to the Twitter thing, is um, I see a lot of the time is we see a lot of debates and discussions on social media about these topics. And you get people who aren't necessarily within a minority community or anything, but someone who knows people that way and they want to support. I think it's those people who then encourage that change and encourage that drive. They would be, you know, your allies in all of those situations. And I think it's important to kind of have those and to know that allies are out there that not fighting our battles, but also kind of pushing the change and driving that change that, you know, um, each for equal change that we're kind of all striving for. Yeah, I think allies are important because as I cast my mind back to being a junior engineer in the in the in, in the water industry, calling out and, and this part of calling out and saying, "Well, hang on a moment, let's reevaluate this. Do you think that's right? Do you think that's ethical? How do we treat people?" And as a junior engineer, I never had the confidence to call out certain behaviours at certain levels in the in the industry, I might subtly kind of go and say, well, you never know, I know of some people, and then you do it that way and you bring it into a conversation and then make people think about it again or maybe they're just going to say, no, that's what I think and I'm going to carry on thinking it. Okay, fair enough. But if you have allies, allies give people confidence to be able to stand up and be visible and be supported. They say, it's okay, we're with you. We may not be like you, but we are with you. We agree. We, you know, and for a younger engineer, if I had those kinds of allies, the kind of allies we have now, back as a junior engineer, I may have been able to call out more stuff. Maybe they would have changed more people's uh, views and opinions in the industry. So they're really important to be able to help people feel bolstered and secure and in being doing what they should be doing. And I think that we've seen that in terms of how actually our M Circles group mentoring program has evolved. So when I first started to be involved in it four years ago, it was an all-female program mentored by females. And a lot of the issues we were discussing were actually societal or industry-wide and those sorts of things. And actually from the outside, 
there's a lot of feeling that, you know, kind of, all, well, why, why can't the males be involved? They're as much a part of this as others. And that's how it's evolved. And we ended up with male mentors in terms of all female groups. We've now got mixed gender groups. We've got kind of the new groups that are emerging now around some of the more discreet groups in the, in the company. And, and I think we have to acknowledge this is an issue that everybody has to engage in, that everybody has got a part to play. And that in some times, it's a stronger voice if actually it's an ally rather than the individual that is affected in some ways, because it's somebody saying from the outside in some ways, this is not right. And actually, you know, we all need to contribute as part of that. And of course, um, one of the most important allies in this context is leaders and leadership within a business at, at all levels. David, what do you think good and bad leadership looks like in this space? Oh, <laughs> I don't want to go into the bad. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I think we all know what the bad looks like. I mean, that's a really interesting piece around the allies. And I think there's a big shout out. We're talking about celebration sort of thing, weren't we? And we really need to celebrate our allies. We need more allies, you know, mentors and allies. And I think, you know, all leaders need to be allies and to promote all of that. But the same thing with everything about leadership, and I'm going to touch on a couple of the things that I, you know, that I did say before. You know, we really need to drive an inclusive business. And, I'll, you know, we can talk about diversity and talk about diversity of thought and all the rest of it. But we don't have the inclusive bit right and make that a second nature. Then the diversity piece isn't, isn't coming to the table unless you've got that inclusive piece. So the area that I'm really sort of looking at and, you know, talking to leaders is really around you know, understanding what inclusion looks like. Going back to the very beginning, Charles talked about it early on about, isn't it wonderful we live in a world where, where, you know, all of us are different. You know, some of us are all different, whatever you want to say, you know, everybody's different. And that's the wonderful celebration. And what we need to be doing is making that second nature to bring all that into our business. And going back to some of the things that we talk about, you know, but whether it's like best self to work, and I do think just some of the thing about our leaders, and I'm, you know, really wanted to take that to the next level now, um, you know, our freedom to grow piece, in that, you know, so many people, and I've spoken to people, have said, one of the things that that has done, it's allowed me to be... Freedom to grow being a, a policy oh, that sorry. enables people to uh, work at the time and place and in the in the way that, that suits them best. It's a policy we've got here at ACOM, uh, a, a type of flexible working policy, but by a different name. But it's much broader than that, actually, if I may. It is much broader than that because it's much more about self. Time and place is a small part of a number of streams. It's actually about, and we talked on some of it, which is about how I like to contribute. You know, how I like to contribute to, I can't remember who was saying, was it Pascal or somebody was saying, that's really important. And understanding those differences, you know, how Tara likes to contribute to a meeting is different to Kate, but we need to... We need to understand that. Everybody needs to, to, you know, to understand that and be able to encourage everybody to, you know, really be their true selves. So there's a piece around that that I still think is really driving in with, with our leadership, you know, to really better understand all of this piece. Which that, that really grabs the inclusion bit. I think many people get, and I'm happy to be shouted down here, but my, my sense is talking around the business, people get the diversity bit. The leadership people you have to get right is that inclusion piece and making sure that everybody recognises what an inclusive place looks like, what an inclusive meeting looks like, what an inclusive decision looks like. All of those pieces is, is, is an area that personally I'm a leader talking to my leaders about. 
We're running out of time a little bit here, so I'm going to bring it to a final question and ask you all to be quite brief if you can. We've discussed a lot of the challenges today, but everyone in this room is working to bring about positive change. And, you know, ACOM is doing a lot through its mentoring programs and, and other measures to try and bring about that positive change. How optimistic are you about the future, starting with you, Kate? So, so I, I think, you know, I, I feel we've come up a long way since I've been in the industry. The thing that gives me greatest optimism, I think, is the generation coming through. I have two daughters that are 18 and 20. And I just think it's fantastic how I see that they embrace all of this and move it forward. And, you know, kind of that to me is the future. And we should embrace that and encourage it and reflect ourselves in that generation. Pascal? Yeah, but, but I certainly find that the Gen Z are the ones to look forward to because for me, they've been educated in a system that post-abolition of Section 28, from my perspective and my company's perspective, uh, sorry, my, my, my community's perspective. So post-Section 28 world now has opened up that field for inclusion at education across all levels. It's opened up local government. And so that generation is the first, really, under those broken out from those draconian years. And I think it's seen in all of the national statistics that we're seeing about that generation's attitudes to LGBTQI people, that they're six times more likely to have LGBTQI people in that generation than they are in the baby boomers. So we are seeing a steady march towards what the, the inclusion across the whole of society across that and that generation are really going to push it forward no no i agree as well and i think as well for um going forward i think the positive i think change that i can see is um a lot of the time we kind of look at something you see like headlines and in the news and just even in social media it looks a lot more negative than it actually is and because you just see one big headline that's kind of gone everywhere you kind of think oh yes yeah, doom and gloom again but the more you kind of branch out and talk to people on a like closer, more personal level, whether it's in the office, at work, or at meetings, or even just down, if you go out with friends in the pub and you meet different people, you realise it's not actually as bad as sometimes we feel like it is with all of these changes. And you feel like, oh, you know, a lot of people are quite negative about them and you hear a lot of negative views. But sometimes we feel like negativity carries stronger, but we kind of forget that there's a lot more positivity out there than is shown. So I think going forward, it's, also, it's just very important to treasure the positivity that you hear and not let it kind of get clouded by the negativity that comes out because whether we realize it or not there is a lot more positivity than negativity it's just that negativity just kind of stays there whereas the positivity kind of just goes yeah you hear good things you hear mm -hmm. good things but it's like when you do well in a test and you've got like 98 right your parents normally used to ask you why'd you get the two wrong rather than well done for getting 98 right so i think it's important to kind of focus on the 98 and not focus on the two David? I don't think I ever got 98 right <laughs> in my life. So, you know, congratulations. I, I, I might even be sort of slightly more positive in some respects. I mean, we talked, Pascal was talking about a steady march. I feel the pace is really picking up. You know, and I do think, you know, we talked about some of this as leaders. There's a lot to grab hold of at the moment. You know, climate emergency, you know, all the things, digital worlds, all the rest of it. And the solution is everybody in the room. And I think, you know, people really get the penny is dropping. I know that it's dropped. I'd like to say that it's dropped. But I, I think the pace of change is going faster than, than we might think. And, you know, Kate's talked about, 
you know, her kids, I can't help but, you know, talk about mine, who are, what they are now, 21, 23 and 24. They're third culture kids, which adds another dynamic. They don't identify by country so much. You know, they, they, they were born in Australia, they've lived in Asia, they've lived in the Middle East, and, you know, now they live in the UK. And that's a really interesting dynamic when you, you know, people talk about various things. But it's just all natural to these two young people. They, they just like, well, I don't, you know, I don't identify as British, I don't really identify as Australian, I don't know about, you know, whatever. I mean, they identify a bit of everything, you know, which is the beauty of those things. So I do think a pace, and, and I like to keep the pressure on. You know, the pressure, we've got to keep the pressure on around climate emergency. You know, we'll probably talk about that in another podcast. We've got to keep the pressure on about being safe in our communities, you know, and what great design looks like. And we've got to keep the pressure on specifically around this because the answer to all of those other questions is around really creating an inclusive environment that encourages diversity of thought and bringing everybody together. That's a great point to end on. Thank you to all the guests who joined us today. Pascal Harper, our UK and Ireland Technical Head of Process Engineering for Water. Kate Morris, EMEA Head of Transportation Consulting. Terrell Harper, one of our civil engineering apprentices. And David Barwell, ACOM's UK and Ireland Chief Executive. If you enjoyed listening to this episode of Talking Infrastructure, then please subscribe, leave a review, and of course, tell your friends. It'll be back to normal with James Banks on the next podcast. But from all of us here, goodbye and thank you for listening.